Book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 28, where we have been uh, for several weeks now. Uh, Matthew chapter number 28, we'll look at the end of the chapter, uh, which is also the end of the book of Matthew. And uh, we'll continue this morning in our series on the Great Commission. Of course, our theme for the year, a double portion. We want uh, God to do more for us than He's ever done for us. We want a double uh, portion of His blessings, and uh, certainly we are attempting to do more for Him. I would rather uh, attempt to do more for God than just settle to do less. Kind of an obvious statement. Uh, but uh, we, you, have to put, you have to put some things into action. You have to decide that you're going to do more. And uh, certainly uh, thankful for the Lord's faithfulness. And we'll look once again in the book of Matthew, chapter number 28, where we find uh, what we call the Great Commission. And we're going to begin reading this morning with verse number 16, and we'll read down through verse number 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We find the Great Commission here. We'll review it in just a moment. But I want you to look with me at verse number 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, <clears throat> but some doubted. This morning, I'm going to speak on the subject of the doubters of the Great Commission. The doubters of the Great Commission. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. Father, already our hearts have been stirred. Already we've been blessed. And Father, I pray now as we open your word, may we consider the truths that we'll find. May we consider the uh, commission once again that your son has given to your church. Father, I pray if there's one unsaved, may they get that settled today. Perhaps there's a heart of a child of God who's yet to completely surrender. May today uh, they yield their everything. May they give uh, of their will to you. And Father, I pray uh, that your will would be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find in this passage of Scripture what we know by now. Uh, Christ had fulfilled his purpose. He had been to Calvary. Uh, he had paid the sin debt of man. And let me just remind us, is it a wonderful thought to think that Jesus loved us enough that he would pay for our sins? He paid for the sins of the world and uh, he had given up his life. I uh, remind us once again that man did not take his life from him, that he gave his life so that you and I might have salvation. We know that he rose victorious from the grave three days later after he yielded up the ghost. When he came forth from the tomb, he came forth having conquered death and hell. The scripture tells us that he came forth with the keys. He controls uh, death and hell. And friend, if our faith is in Christ, which if you're saved, your faith is in Christ, you don't have to fear death today because Christ holds the key. You don't have to fear hell today because of our faith in Christ. He assembles, he gathers, he's, by the time we get to Matthew 28, the end of the chapter we read, he has revealed himself several times to many of his followers. I believe assembled here are uh, many of his uh, followers. We find in verse 16, those 11 disciples were there. What a group of men that this was. They were not perfect men, we know that. 
But I want you to think about the men that are now going to hear this commission that are part of this crowd. You have the Apostle John, who if we were to flip back several pages to the, to the back of our Bible, we'd read the Revelation. That great apostle who, who loved Christ and was martyred and placed on the Isle of Patmos and he would be in the Spirit and that Jesus would come and reveal to him the things we read of the end times. John was of that group. Peter was of that group. Peter with all his flaws and, and with all of his mistakes, but Peter was still the one who walked on the water. Peter's the one who will preach at Pentecost and 3,000 people will trust Christ as their Savior. Peter who would be crucified upside down because of his faith in Christ. We could continue on in that group, those 11 apostles who would literally turn the world upside down, the scripture tells us. Faith, power, these men would exhibit. I also believe in this crowd, there's an estimated, and we could turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, we'll not take time, and and you can study this, and I believe there is probably an estimation of several hundred people in this group who were part of that called out assembly. The scripture doesn't exactly tell us everyone who is in this group, but I think we can draw the conclusion that those that were in this group, many of them were also in that group in the upper room after Christ ascended. In that group in the upper room, part of his church, you have his mother, Mary. You have Mary Magdalene. And then, as the scripture says, many other of the women who followed him. You have part of that group, I believe, those who had been the beneficiary of Christ healing their infirmities. As many miracles as Christ did, I think it is very likely that in this group of several hundred people who Christ revealed himself to and gave this great commission, I believe in that group were those who had been the beneficiary of Christ's healing touch. I also believe in that group were those who had seen the miracles of Christ. Maybe we do not know, but maybe there was somebody there who sat on a hillside and watched Jesus take five loaves into fish, bless them, break them, and they partook of the food that Christ provided that day. Maybe there was somebody in that group who witnessed one of the many miracles that Christ did. But there was a, that group there that would hear this commission, and Jesus reminds them that all power is given to me. I don't think you and I could put up much of an argument against that. Here is the Son of God who has conquered death and hell, and all power is given to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives a commission, the commission that by now we're familiar with to go and win the lost, to testify of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. To tell lost man that there is a risen Savior, that there is hope in Christ. Upon their salvation, the next instruction is for them to be baptized by immersion, identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ, that public declaration of their faith in Christ. And beyond that, they were to be part of the church and grow and be discipled so that they could win someone else to Christ by giving them the gospel. 
That is the Great Commission. As we look at that group that is there, we know the disciples were there. We, can, we know there was, a, there was more than just the 11 disciples there. I believe there were several hundred people that would have gathered that day. I believe that probably, possibly, certainly, but probably in that group were some who had been a beneficiary of a miracle. Perhaps there was a blind man there who now sees. Perhaps there was a deaf man who now hears. Perhaps there was a lame man who now walks. And they were part of that group. There were some there that perhaps witnessed the miracles that Christ did. But the Bible tells us there's another group there in the midst of the disciples, in the midst of his church. In verse number 17, when they saw him, who saw him? The group saw him. The church saw him. They worshiped him. What a thought. Just a few days prior, Jesus had hung on the cross. He's now come forth victorious out of the grave. He's conquered death and hell as our high priest. And now as he gathers them, they worshiped him. Friend, what a thought. You and I should worship him today. Oh, when we keep Christ as our perspective, there's, there's no man that could, could stand in his stead. There's, no, there's nothing that, everything pales in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, let's fast forward to eternity. What we are going to do is we're going to worship him. What a church service that must have There were some worshiping him who he had touched them and healed them. Friend, that's why every time we assemble together, we think about what Christ has done for us. It shouldn't take much for us to get in the spirit, if you will, and be reminded of what Christ did for us. These, these hymns that we sing and these songs that we see, hear sung, they ought to do something for us because of what Christ did for us. They worshipped him in the midst of Christ's presence, in the midst of the worship. Some doubted. Think about that. Here is the risen Son of God. Here is Jesus, who I believe has the wounds still in his hands. This is an interesting study for a different day, but I, I believe it was there's a visible noticing and difference of what he endured on Calvary. There, the piercing in his side. In the midst of the evidence that here he is, the one who yielded up the ghost, the one who was placed in a borrowed tomb, now stands in front of them. In the evidence of those that were healed and, and those that could now see, in the evidence of those who, who had certainly believed on Christ, in the evidence of all of that, there were some there, if you will, this morning with their arms folded, doubting. The Bible tells us that there is no new thing under the sun. And if there were doubters in that day in the presence 
of the Lord Jesus Christ as he still stood on this earth. If there were doubters in that day when you could see the wounds in his hands and you could hear his voice as he spoke and your eyes could lay on him and see him and, 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 and take notice of him. If there were doubters in that day, certainly there's doubters in the day we live in today. I mean, let's, let's put this in proper context this morning. What an exciting time to be alive. What an opportunity the church has today to, to, to preach the gospel and to give the gospel. And I know we're further and further away from, from where our nation has been. But if you look at it from the church, what an opportunity for us to make a difference. What an opportunity for us to teach somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. What an opportunity for the church to, to send forth laborers to go into that harvest that is, that is white unto harvest and, and make a great difference. And what a thought that there are people who live on our street and live in our neighborhoods who need the gospel and God might use us to give them the gospel. What a thought to be part of a church where we decide and by we decide, I mean I decided for us by the leading of the Spirit of God that we're going to double in a year. Well, isn't that exciting? You don't seem too excited this morning. Isn't it exciting to have a part and say, we're going to do more for the cause of Christ than has ever been done by us as a group of people? I've been encouraged as the pastor so many of you talking about what God has done and new soul winners being trained and new families added to the church and what God has done, is doing, and will do. I believe, I've said this recently, I believe it to be true. I don't know of a time when, when we have been more of one accord, as the book of Acts speaks of, than, than we are right now. But I'm not so naive. To not be aware that if in the presence of Christ there were doubters, that in 2023 there just might be a doubter of the Great Commission, a doubter of the purpose of the church, a doubter of the role that you and I are to play as a child of God. Maybe the doubt comes from a place of cynicism. Maybe the doubt comes from a place of just an insecurity of, of their ability. It does, the Bible does not say that these were, these were evil people. The Bible does not say that they were necessarily enemies of Christ. They doubted. They had a faith problem. They, 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 but perhaps they heard uh, him teaching and they're going to hear the commission. And perhaps they said, due to their own limited abilities, and say, there's no way that we can reach the world. There's no way. What are we going to do? And, and, and people are going to think we're crazy to say that we saw Jesus with our own eyes and we, we know he was resurrected and you must believe on him in order to be saved. Maybe it was their own inadequacies and their own inabilities and they looked at that and they did not have the faith to believe what they knew to be true, that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus was the answer. Jesus is the, the Son of God. And yet, by their own lack of faith, they doubted. Could it not be true that in this day, as in the evidence that is around us, we know that what Christ has done in our own heart, 
We've seen with our own eyes people born again. We've seen lives change. And we hear the emphasis and the preaching and the words of Christ himself to go and reach the world. And the Great Commission is the answer. Certainly, there's a, there's a, there's a possibility that there might be someone among us this morning who hears what Christ has said, has seen what Christ has done, but yet we look around at this group of people and say, Pastor, I give you an A-plus for your enthusiasm, but we don't have the ability. We don't, we can't, we, how much of a difference can we really make? What, what resources do we really have in, in the midst of miracles? Doubters sit because of their own lack of ability. Perhaps they doubted due to the circumstances of the day. Perhaps they looked around that group there and said, I hope nobody turns my name in. I hope word doesn't get out. This was the day of the Roman Empire. They had just crucified Jesus. And if they had crucified Jesus, then let's just draw some conclusions. He, he's on the list of not to be associated with. Uh, they, if they'll do that to him, they'll certainly do it to us. After all, this is a day. How far can we get with the gospel? How far can we get? I mean, we're going to go into the next town and say, I'm here because Jesus has sent me. They're going to lock us up. They're going to they're, they're gonna, they're gonna crucify us. We, we're not going to get very far with this. Maybe they looked at the times they lived in and said it's going to be too difficult, there's no way it can be done, the government is going to get in the way, everybody's going to be afraid, how in the world are we going to be able to do that? And they doubted. I think it could be a conclusion that could be drawn this morning that in the midst of the excitement about a risen Savior, with all the evidence of what Christ is still doing. For there to be a doubter. I say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. But it's 2023. This isn't the same America that was 20 years ago. This isn't the same world that our parents grew up in. But we're, how far are we going to get? The government will fight us along the way and society will, will, will oppose us and, and, and the forces of this world are going to try and do everything that they can to stop what we are trying to do. Maybe uh, in the midst of a miracle, in the midst of all that Christ has said, maybe there's somebody just says, maybe the circumstances, the day we live in is just too difficult. I don't want to necessarily make everything negative this morning, but I, but I am very aware that in the midst of that assembly, worshiping a risen Savior. I mean, you know how surreal that had to be? These were believers. These were those that believed Christ before He was crucified. They believed on him before he had risen from the dead. And maybe there was somebody there say, I see him, I hear him, but I, nobody's ever come back from the dead before. Nobody's ever uh, try, had that triumph before. I just don't know if I can believe what I'm seeing. There's doubters there. Friend, I want to very quickly 
make a few statements about the doubters that I think you and I can be helped by this morning. Let me say, number one, they doubted his word. Jesus was speaking to them, giving them instruction. He had told them that he would tear the temple down and rise it and build it up again. He was giving them the instruction. They still doubted what he said. The faith problem in this day is the same faith problem we have today. Where we doubt his word. Friend, right, you need to wrap your brain around this. You ought to believe this Bible more than what you see with your own eyes. You ought to believe this book more than what you hear with your own ears. You ought to believe this book with more than the environment you find yourself in because His Word is everlasting. His Word is true. And the doubters, they doubt His Word. Now let me say this morning, nobody in here has perfect faith. All of us have a measure of doubt. Because when you're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the supernatural, it supersedes our ability and our understanding. So therefore, what must we do? We must put our faith in His Word. And just as we did when it comes to our salvation. And friend, this morning, if you're not saved, you say, I want to get forgiveness of my sins. I, I want to have that place of eternity in heaven. I want to know that I'm born again, one of the redeemed. Friend, you must believe what he said, and you must do it the way he said to do it. By faith in his finished work, you put your faith in what he said. You don't put your faith in what you feel. You put your faith in what he said. Sometimes Christians, they doubt their salvation. Well, I just, I just don't feel saved. Friend, it's not about what you feel. It's about what that book says. You believe his word. Hey, Pastor, why are you so confident that we can double our church? Because he said to go. He said he would build his church. He said that man would be born again. The solution to reaching the world is still the Great Commission. Say, so why do I believe that? Because he said it. Faith problems all stem from a refusal to believe God's Word. Every problem with faith stems from a refusal to believe what God has said. You know why some doubt their salvation? You refuse to believe what God has said. You know why, why some can't get settled in, in the matter of the, uh, uh, in their heart, the matter of being a faithful tither and a faithful giver and, and, and doing those kind of things? Because, well, I just don't have enough faith to do that. No, you just don't believe what God has said. You just don't believe when God said he'd take care of you. You just don't believe when God said he'd meet your need. You don't believe what God has said, that the righteous are never seen begging, bread, begging for bread. You just don't believe that. Because if you believed it, you'd do it. Well, I've been saved. I just, I just don't know that I should take that next step of baptism. If you believed the Word of God, you would. Well, I know the emphasis on the church, and I just don't know if that's something that I want to make a commit to. Your lack of faith stems from not believing what God has said. We all, none of us have perfect faith. 
we decide, I'm just going to believe God. I have needs this morning just like you have needs, but I'm not fretting over them. I'm moving forward as if the needs are going to be met. What evidence do you have of that? I have that book right there. No, 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 Pastor, give me some hard evidence. Well, I have a soft cover. I don't have a hard cover, but this is about as, 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 as solid of evidence as you can get. That's what it comes down to. You know why they doubted? Because they doubted his word. If there's a doubter among us today, I love you. God loves you. I, I can explain to you where the, why we're doubting. It's because you're doubting his word. If you're unsaved and you refuse to, to put your faith in Christ, let me tell you why you're unsaved. Uh, you, yes, you're a sinner, but why you're not saved is because you refuse to believe Him when He just says, put your faith and trust in Him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I feel like i got to do more than that. Believe His Word. Statement number two. The doubters limited, limited the effectiveness of His Word. Now, these men are going to go, and they're going to turn the world upside down. You say, Pastor, that's still effective. Oh, yeah, God's still effective. And God can take a small group. I still believe he can turn the world upside down today. I still believe God can empower a church that's fully surrendered to him, and it can be felt all the way around the globe. I still believe that. But there were some who doubted, and they limited the effectiveness of his word. Not that the church did not move forward, but perhaps there was somebody who went home to, a, they went to home to their family, and their family was not converted because they limited his word. Maybe there was a town that there would have been salvation brought to it, but a doubter went home. Maybe there was a neighborhood. Maybe there was others who did not have because the doubters limit the effectiveness of his word. Matthew 13, 58 tells us about our Lord, and he did not many works there because of their unbelief. You know why there's, in this nation we live in, you know why there's not many works being done? Because the doubters are in the majority. This morning, I'm not here to tell you that we ought to have perfect faith. We are men. We, we have struggled with our faith. We must continue to put our faith in Christ. But we need to make sure that the doubters this morning, if I can say it like this, stay in the minority because we believe in the Word of God. And my goal this morning is I can't convert a lost man to a saved man. Only Christ can do that. My goal this morning is to reemphasize, hey, you've got to put your faith and trust in Christ. Anybody who's ever asked the Lord to save them has never been disappointed. He saved them every single time. But my goal this morning is to possibly, with the Lord's help, to convert a doubter into a believer. A doubter into somebody who'll say, I'll just believe what God has said. I'll get on board with what God has said. I'm going to put my faith in what he said because a doubter limits the effectiveness of his word. You limit the effectiveness in your own life. Think about that. We can limit the effectiveness of what God does in our own life. I'll reference the 11 disciples. We know that God used them 
to take the gospel to a whole lot of people. There's a great benefit in that. But there's a great benefit in their own life, too. The work that God did in their own life. The miracles they saw in their own life. And there's a lot of works that I'm afraid aren't getting done because doubters limit the effectiveness of His Word. Can I put this in a practical application for us as a church? God's blessing His church. He's, he's, he's going to continue to bless His church because He blesses His Word. And we've seen miracles. We're going to see greater miracles. And I'm looking forward to the day when I walk to this platform and I read out the attendance and it's twice what we set out for it to be. But don't be the drag that slows that down. Well, I know that we've had some people join, but... We're still a long ways away from Dublin. Well, we're still a little ways away from Dublin. But don't be a doubter. Don't let it be because of our lack of faith that it limits the effectiveness. You can limit the effectiveness in your own church. Statement number three. The doubt of some did not stop the church. I'm reminding you, and I'll preach a message on this at another time. In verse 18, Jesus reminds us that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He reminds us in verse number 20 that I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, I'm glad our Savior is with us to comfort us, to lead us. But you, you cannot separate verse 18 from verse number 20. That means His power is with us until the end of the world. His church is going to march on. His church is not going to be defeated. The doubt of some did not stop the church. Did not allow the, it didn't allow the faithless or the cynic or the doubter to affect them. What they did, there were some who did not believe among them. There were some who doubted. But yet they left there. They still were empowered by the Spirit of God. They still preached the gospel. People were still saved. People still followed in baptism. At the risk of death by publicly identifying with Christ, they, they still were part of the church and learned all the things they could of Christ and then they would go out and repeat what had been done for them. The church still went forward. The truth still went forward. And people were still reached with the gospel in spite of the fact that some doubted. Friend, you and I, and as a church, we need to stop waiting for a consensus among every Christian before we decide that we're going to move forward with the Great Commission. We need to stop and say, well, everybody else gets on board. Friend, if nobody else gets on board, there ought to be a group of people who takes what Christ has commanded and they just do what Christ has said. And then the result and the effect will be one that will be pleasing to God because of the work that will get done. I'll give you statement number four. 
Before I give you statement number four, perhaps what's going through the mind of someone, Pastor, if I'm honest, I have been a little skeptical. I'm not going to use the word doubter because it makes me feel better to say a little skeptical. I don't want to be. But I have doubt. I don't want to be, but I've got some experiences in my past that makes me that way. Which, that's fine to recognize it, but it's not fine to use it as an excuse. Pastor, I, I want some help. I don't want to be to think that the thought of being in the presence of the Lord himself, to seeing him with their own eyes, to hearing him with their own voice, He's there with the wounds in his hand, knowing that he conquered death. And to see the evidence by the way people worshipped him. And some could, 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 could speak and sing those praises to him who, who couldn't talk before he touched him. There were some who were listening to those words who couldn't hear before he touched them. And, 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 and all the miracles that he did, and to, to think that I would be in the center of that and to see all of that and still doubt... I don't want to be a doubter. I don't want to be in that category of one who could be in the presence of Christ and allow their doubt to get the best of them. Let me say with that, number four, doubters must call on God for help with their doubt. I think it'd be safe to say at some point or another, we've all doubted. I think it'd be safe to say at some point, we've all had some unbelief. There are some who are saved and they refuse to believe. They refuse to believe. It's not the, some get saved the first time they hear the gospel. That's a wonderful thing. There's some who've heard it over and over and over again. They refuse to believe. They have that. I just don't believe that. I just can't put my faith in that. I'm just not going to doubt. I just, I just have doubts about that. And then at some point, they decide, I'm just going to put my faith in what he has said. So doubters must call on God for help with their doubt. I reference Mark chapter number 9. And I, in verse number 23... We find an interesting story of one of the miracles of Christ. And there was a father who had a child who was possessed and who would throw himself in the fire and the disciples couldn't help him. And verse 20, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, this is Jesus, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes he hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Okay, think about this. There's nothing that pains the heart of a parent like watching the suffering of their child. There's nothing that pains the heart of their parent. Like watching the suffering of a child 
and there not being any hope of them getting better. And this man tells him, he, the disciples couldn't do anything, and they brought him unto Jesus, and then this thing took place, and that evil spirit that was in him, and it tear him, the scripture said, and he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming, uncontrollable. Can you imagine the, if you'll permit me to use the embarrassment? Not that he was embarrassed of his child, but how his child must have always been a spectacle. Not people desiring necessarily to make him a spectacle, but certainly society would stop and watch. And from a child, can you imagine, can you, can you hear his words? And oftentimes, he said, how long has this been doing of a child? Oftentimes it cast him into the fire. Not once had this father had to go and pull his child out of the fire. But many times. He's had to dress the wounds. And how scarred his child must have been. And oftentimes he threw him in the water and this father had to go into the water and pull him out. It says, does this to him to destroy him? And time after time after time, every day you wake up vigilant. What, what, what is the day going to bring me? What is my child going to go through today? And in getting perhaps frustrated with the no hope, but yet seeing your child and not knowing how to help him and, and, and how do you help him and over and over, uh, you, you are literally the only, humanly speaking, the only thing standing between life and death and as this spirit and this, this demon would try and destroy him, you're saving him with the hopes that one day he can be helped. You hear of Miracles being done, you hear of these works being done, and you, you find these men, these disciples of Jesus, and you bring them to him, and they can't help him. But they brought him to Jesus. How long is it ago since this child came unto him? Or since this came unto him, and he said of a child... And oftentimes he had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Can you sense the despair? I've tried everything. But if you can help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. This man says, We've tried everything. If you can do something, I've, I've, I've taken him to the rabbis. 
I've taken him to get medicine. I've, I've taken him to the disciples and they couldn't help him. We don't know how much this man even believed in Jesus. I just believe you heard of him. He says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. I've always believed. That's not what the Bible says. I believe that when the man entered into the presence of the Son of God, he knew it was different. He knew this was different, but what could not be erased in that moment was all of the times that he, his hopes were dashed when he pulled his son out of the fire. He could not erase from his memory all the times that he had, had to go in the water and pull him out. He could not erase from who he was all of the times that he had been disappointed by religious men and all the times that he had, been, had his, his hopes dashed. But he knew that Jesus was different. He knew, he believed, and he said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Friend, the message is this, there has always been doubters in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have a problem with doubt and unbelief and a lack of faith. Friend, there's only one person who can help us with that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There might be somebody here this morning and you've yet to put your faith in Christ because you've got a doubt problem, because you have an unbelief problem, and you think there's got to be more to it than just believing on Him. There's got to be something I have to do in order to, 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 to get this salvation. And it's hard for me just to believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and put my faith and trust in Him and accept His price on Calvary. I just feel like there's got to be more than that. Perhaps there's somebody in here, you, you would say, well, I just, I just have a problem just giving everything in my life to Him. I, I've, got, I've got this unbelief. I've got this doubt. Pastor, I, I, I wanna, I, I'm on board with what we're doing as a church. It's great what we're doing, but just, I just, I, there's just a little part of me. I've been disappointed before. I've tried to do something for God and come up short. Or as, you know, so many people can say, I've had a bad experience in church. I just, I'm just a cynic. I see what God's doing. I see the miracles that are being done. I've had miracles done for me. But in the midst of all the worship, in the midst of what he's doing, I just, well, that's the answer, just to ask him to help. Here's what sometimes we miss. This man put his faith in Christ and that then asked for him to help with his unbelief. He did not do what a lot of Christians do. You make me believe, and then I'll put my faith. That's not faith. Well, well, if, if you convince, when God convinces me that this is the way to go, then I'll do it. No, no, no. He has said, we're to put our faith. I believe. Well, I don't think I believe enough. Do you believe? You put your faith and trust 
in His Word and at the same time say, Lord, help me with my unbelief because I'm going to see an obstacle I can't get over. I, I, I am flesh. I, 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 I'm not perfect in my faith. But we must be willing to act as we allow God to build our faith. What happens? He rebuked the foul spirit Jesus did, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. He delivers this child. How much did that father's faith grow then? I say it grew exponentially. But he put his faith, as imperfect as it was, in Christ before the miracle was done. And there's too many churches to put this in the context of our theme and our message today of the Great Commission. There are too many churches waiting on God to pave the way, waiting on God to soften hearts, waiting on God to put a Christian government in, waiting on God to remove every obstacle. Then say, then when God does all of that, we will move forward by faith and fulfill the Great Commission. That's not the way it works. Doubter or not, Christ has given us a command. It doesn't matter who's in power in the government. It doesn't matter what society is doing. It doesn't matter what the mood is. We've been given a command. I believe it because Christ has said it. I believe he does have all power in heaven and earth. I believe that men can still be born again. I still believe great churches can be built and can, can shake a city for God. and can shake a nation for God. I still believe all of that. But we cannot wait till God gives us perfect faith because we'll be waiting until Jesus comes back. We must put the faith that we have and say, we'll do what we can. We'll do as much as we can. And let's watch God do the work. And it will grow and build our faith. This morning, as we go to invitation, I challenge you to move forward with your doubt. The Bible does not tell us in our text this morning, the Bible tells us specifically what I'm going to point out, but the Bible does tell us that there were doubters there. I believe there were doubters who left there and they stayed doubters. But I believe there were doubters there that as they watched what was going on, and they saw the Son of God being worshipped, and they heard his voice. Yes, I believe there were some who were doubters that they left, but I believe the chances are very good and likely that there was somebody there who doubted and they left the believer. Amen. They doubted and they saw and were said, Well, I'm just gonna give it a try. I may be, I, I may be the biggest fool, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put put everything I have in what Christ said. Amen. Friend, no man regrets putting their faith in what Christ has said. This morning, if you're depending on anyone or anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you have no hope. You have no hope. It is only through Christ. Well, I have a hard time believing. Put the faith that you have in what Christ has said. You can make this application 
in every area of your life. Well, there's some things I need to get, I need to get straightened out. There's some things I need to get fixed. There's some areas of my life I need to get uh, where, where God would have them to be, to please the Lord. I need to, well, when, when, when God, get, God gives me the faith to, and the strength to do that, no, 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 you just, you just do what God said. Well, I just, I there, you know, Pastor, I've been in churches before, and I just, I just don't, I know you can't change all the things that have been happening, just like that man kept pulling his son out of the fire, kept pulling his son out of the fire. Eventually, you get pretty close to a point and say, can anything be done? But when you get into the presence of God and you see what God can do, put what little faith you have and say, okay, I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to depend on God to give me a different heart. I'm going to depend on God to, to pave the way. And as a church comes to reaching people with the gospel, fulfilling the Great Commission. We've just got to obey what God has said. This is a good reminder for all of us. But if there's a doubter this morning, oh, I hear what Pastor's saying. We're not, I don't see how we're going to get there. Doesn't he watch the news, see what's going on? Well, the answer to that is No. Well, doesn't, doesn't, I mean, doesn't he understand the day we live in? I mean, look around. Look at this group of people. He's going to do that with this? I've had that same conversation, but I just determined I was going to put my faith in what Christ has said. Because he has all power. Friend, you'll never be disappointed. Yeah, I, let me put it like this, and we'll, we'll conclude. I think it's much better, much better to take all the faith that you have and put it on Christ, put on his word, and just live like that. Maybe we don't hit everything that we would desire to hit for him. I'd rather that be the case than living my life with regret because I let my doubt supersede my faith. I'll let my doubt keep me from doing what God would have me to be. Friend, I, I, if we were to take that same crowd, we may not look and say, yeah, we're not on par with those, those disciples. But I think we all could say what a miracle Christ has done for us. I've seen it. I can describe it. I can talk about it. Let's not be doubters. This morning, if you've not been saved, put your faith in Christ. This morning, church, let's make sure that we're putting the faith we have on Christ and on his word. It's obedience to his word. Well, I'm waiting for God to, I'm waiting for God to just convince me, no, you take the faith you have, you obey. And then watch him do. And your faith will grow. Father, help us this morning as we consider these truths.